Joseph. I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Hmm. Yeah. How are you? I'm borderline delirious right now, but how are you? I'm okay. But we'll make it quick. You're in Venice right now, and it's after midnight. Mm -hmm. Day five. Today's Today was probably the hardest day because um, I, I don't stay on the Lido. I stay on the mainland. Uh, and the first Sunday of every September, they have a regatta, a uh, boat race. So I can't come back to the flat in the afternoon on that day. So... Also, oh, you, you have to linger on the island. Yeah, so I, and which, you know, I got all my review coverage done for the morning in my five-hour break stuck there, but, you know, it's a lot. Oh. And then tomorrow morning, I have to get up, or tomorrow morning is uh, the last day that we have to get tickets as press for the last three days of the festival. Oh. So I'll be glad. So after tomorrow... Um, then it should be pretty smooth. How was the flight there? Uh, uneventful, which is good. Just fine. Uh, well, you are going to provide at the end, since we don't have a secret movie, um, your favorite film so far from the festival. Yeah, because we just hit the, the, the... We just hemorrhaged Sunday, so now it's the... We've, we've just hit the halfway point. Have you seen any celebrities? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've mostly directors like Pablo Lorraine. I walked right by and David Fincher this yesterday morning. Uh, Jesse Williams I walked right by me two mornings ago. Oh, well, does he have a movie there? I forgot to look up what he might be in. If it, If he is, I haven't seen it yet. Was he trying to like, uh, like, was he wearing like a hat and glasses or he was just out there? No, no, he looked really good. He was, it was eight o'clock in the morning. So. Oh, wow. Well, <clears throat> people seem to like when we talk about restaurants. So um, I forgot. Well, so we visited a place in the arts district called Smoke City Char Bar. Mm -hmm. What yeah. did you think about that restaurant? I find it so odd, some of these restaurants where you make a reservation, and I did, we did not need to make a reservation, as I recall. It was dead. No, and then I feel silly telling them. Like, I feel like the losers saying, I have a reservation, and there's literally no one in here. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the food was fine. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. Um and there was more than enough because there were three of us. Granted, the third person was my mom who eats like a bird. But um, yeah, we took food home. Yeah, it, it's actually one of the few restaurants that had good elote, I thought. Yeah, that was probably the best elote I've had at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was excellent. It was very creamy um, and it almost tasted like maybe it was sour cream. Um, but it wasn't super wet. We had some sort of pasta. Um, I, I guess you'd call it like a ragu, where it was like the brisket. I liked mm -hmm. that a lot. Um, the chili. I mean, the chili was made like like a bowl of chili, but it it was like half brisket. It was super hearty. I really liked it. The only downside is parking in the arts district is 
expensive and difficult. So it's a shame because it's like, that's probably the number one deterrent of going out there. Sure. Yeah. So, but I would recommend Smoke City Char Bar. And then um, <laughs> if they're listening, send me a gift card. It, uh, but then I went to this Mexican restaurant last night called Calaveras in like the NoHo Arts District. And I think it's a, I think it's a chain. It's in the yeah. same like plaza that we saw uh, where, where that movie theater is, where we saw Dark Tide. Yes, there's one of those right uh, on Silver Lake Boulevard, right where you get on the 101. Really? That's what that is? Mm -hmm. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, the person I went with, they they wanted that style of food. So I said, well, then pick a place. So they just picked it and I said, fine. Um, and then I arrived like a few minutes early. So he was calling me on the phone while I was in the restroom. And when I, if you get online right now and Google Calaveras North Hollywood, like Yelp reviews, they're all going to say that it's really loud in there. Um, and that's not a joke. That shit felt like I was in a nightclub. The music was blaring. It was impossible to hear um, anything. It It was outrageous. I felt like I was like, I mean, take like the most annoying restaurant, like in the Gaslight or like on the Strip, like, you know, those super annoying, loud, like, and did it was- you, The gas lamp, did you mean? I meant gas lamp. I said Gaslight. I meant the gas lamp district in San Diego, but that, like that kind of place, but it felt so out of place because we're in like an area of NoHo that's not touristy. I don't think anywhere in NoHo's touristy, but like- this is not a touristy area. Why do we have this restaurant? But and then it's open, like windows are open to the street, so you can hear this music blasting from down the block. But it, I didn't want to be difficult because if it would have been just you and I, we would have turned right the hell around. Uh -huh. But I'm like, let me sit here, and oh my god, the service was. They like the guy was friendly, but it's so loud that he was screaming everything and then couldn't hear anything. So he must, I mean, the number of times I had to repeat myself just to, <laughs> I felt bad for those people. And then like to make it even worse when there's a birthday, oh my God, the staff have this big sign to carry around that says like, Feliz cumpleaños, happy birthday, one side, the other. And then they have that fucking or excuse me, you know that uh, like metal thing that people spin and it makes that sound? And then they had a cowbell. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's a literal nightmare. Mm -hmm. I, if I worked there, I wouldn't last like my shift before I quit. I wish that people would understand that it is not special to have strangers that are held captives sing happy birthday to you. It is not. Well... Does anyone like that? Except besides, that, children, besides children. Or the people who arranged it. They think it's funny. It's not. I mean, I will say there's a restaurant in, um, I think it's like Lower Asusa that we've gone to a few times because my family lives near there. El and, Cielito Lindo. Yes, El Cielito Lindo. Li Lindo, they have um, their birthday 
It's funny because it lasts a long time and the restaurant's small. And so one time I had them do it for you because I thought it was funny. <laughs> and it wasn't even they, they didn't verify, they just sang. No. But um yeah, that was miserable. I wouldn't go there again. You'd have to pay me. And I would still have an attitude. You know, the name always makes me think of that Mark Twain story, the the Calaveras County with the, the jumping frogs of Calaveras County. Oh, I'm not, I'd have to look that up. Well, I would much rather spend two hours with that uh, Calaveras than this one. Um, but anyway, um, I need to address something I said last week that made people upset. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? No, no. So in our live video last week, I made a comment saying that I think it's funny that Fantasia wrote a memoir. And in her memoir, she said she was illiterate. So you didn't write that book, girl. That was the statement I made. And then I made a short. And the caption for the short was, has anyone read Fantasia's memoir? She hasn't. So I got a lot of comments and like DMs saying that that was mean and like they can't believe I would say something like that and I'm I'm not doubling down on it uh, but and I do agree that it was mean spirited. The thing that I think was the most mean spirited is saying in my caption that she hasn't read it. Although I will say uh, there is a, a YouTube web series called Got to Be Real in the entire. She's one of the cast members on this web series, Fantasia. It's a fictional like reality show. But her entire storyline is that she's uh, uneducated. But that's no excuse. I, I, so that's it. Like, I think that it was, it, it wasn't very nice to say that. However, if you think about, like, if I said to you, oh, there's this person who wrote a book and they're illiterate, you would immediately laugh. Like, it's absurd. And it is absurd. It is, but I mean, I'm assuming since she has her GED, she's no longer classifiably illiterate. <laughs> but, you know, and again, you know, you can tell when she posts shit online, so she can, she can read something. So she's technically not. Well, I, when I said it, it wasn't my intention, like, oh, I'm going to come for Fantasia. I really like Fantasia. I watched uh, season three of American Idol where she won. Uh, back in 2004 I've been a huge mm -hmm. fan seen her in concert many times so have you we watched her reality show Fantasia for real I've gone to New York twice to see her on Broadway in the color purple um so you know it definitely wasn't me trying to be like shady towards Fantasia it's just the absurdity of it and when I think about her and that memoir and her lifetime uh biopic which she stars in and you bought for me um i bought she, a well at the time there was only a bootleg copy but right. yeah thanks ebay <laughs> i just think it like the absurdity of like these like because it also reminds me of that documentary we watched two weeks ago about the hatchet wielding hitchhiker like it seems like in modern popular culture, anyone who gets any shine, it's like, let's throw them out there. Let's see what sticks. And we we like 
idolize these people and put them on pedestals without really knowing their story. And when I think about Fantasia, you know, when she was on American Idol, everyone made fun of her. Like she's so ghetto, she's so country, she's a teen mom. They dragged the hell out of that young lady while she was on the show. Then she wins and it's like, oh, she's so great. Then she, a year later, writes the memoir, which I did read. Because some of the comments, I I deleted a lot of comments from it, but some of the comments uh, were like advising me that there are different levels to illiteracy, and I and I understand that I'm I I'm familiar with it. There are people in my family who are functionally illiterate, so I'm I'm aware of that. But in her uh, the memoir which I read, she said that she could not read the contract she signed on American Idol. She said that she couldn't even read the lyrics to those damn songs she sang. So she had to memorize them. And that her biggest fear was that she would forget the words because she can't read. So her reading comprehension was low. Not to use that as a weapon against her, but you know, to answer that question, like she, her reading comprehension was very low. But I just think it's funny that people sort of dragged her for that then so then she's low, then she's up because she won. Then if we uh, remember, she had an affair with a married man. Yes, and there was a suicide attempt. Uh, and then there was a lawsuit against her from the wife of that man who left her because of Fantasia. So then people started dragging her again. Then she attempted suicide, and then she's back and everyone's... Uh, at the know, same time that album dropped. Right, which is, you know, who knows, coincidence. Then she was on The Color Purple in Broadway and had a series of, like, cancellations, which was, like, a thing because the two times I went, one time we had to reschedule because, thankfully, she had, like, we were going to the Saturday show and she canceled the Friday show. So I was like, well, she's been canceling a lot, so maybe we shouldn't go this weekend. And it turned out she did cancel that Saturday. So we rescheduled for a different time. But it's like, she's had a lot of highs and lows. You know, Oprah didn't have her, when Oprah was inducted into the Kennedy Center Honors, um, the song I'm Here, which is from the Color Purple musical, which Oprah produced, Fantasia sang that song. But at her Kennedy Center, Kennedy Center Honors, Jennifer Hudson sang to Oprah. So then Fantasia had made comments about how maybe she's upset with her. But then now we know Fantasia's in the new Color Purple movie. She's had an amazing career. She's a fantastic vocalist. I really love her as a performer. I feel bad that it was made, you know, like it wasn't my intention to make fun of her. But I do think it's absurd that, you know, her management, everyone thought like, yeah, let's have this young lady like a year into her celebrity like write this very um exposing memoir she, yeah very intimate like a lot of trauma she you know she's been through a lot and then have her tell all this stuff about herself and then it's just like i don't know that it, it's just kind of wild like i don't know that a memoir on the, the the memoir, they're very clear that someone else wrote it with her, like every celebrity, like that's not uncommon at all. But yeah, I, I do feel bad that someone might've thought that I was coming for Fantasia or making fun of illiteracy. It's simply the absurdity of someone saying they 
are illiterate in a book they wrote. <laughs> I agree that there is comedy in that and um, it's okay to poke fun of that without being mean-spirited, but yeah. Okay, I feel cleansed. Um, movies we watch for fun, you watch The Hunted? Yeah, right before I got on the plane, I watched William Friedkin's The Hunted, which I hadn't seen since the year it came out. And God, I remember not liking it then, and I don't like it now. With oh. and comedy. <laughs> it's it's just not very good. It, and uh, what's her name? Connie Nielsen, again, doing this accent. I don't know if you remember her Southern accent work in Basic with... John Travolta, where, you know, because she's Danish and she's trying to do a Southern accent in that. Yes, yes, I do recall. You watch Tortilla Soup? Yeah, on, on my flight, because I had a, I, on my flight to Newark, where I had a layover, I wrote, I watched Tortilla Soup, uh, directed by, I believe, Maria Ripoll, um, and has a great cast. Uh, Hector Elizondo is this uh, Mexican-American chef, and he has these three daughters that live with him, and one of them played by the great Elizabeth Pena, who's who's now dead. I, you know, I have very fond memories of her uh, as a kid because of Batteries Not Included in Jacob's Ladder, but... Uh, didn't we see her... Di didn't we see Elizabeth Pena in something recently? I don't recall, but I know that every time I see her, I'm like, oh... Um, but I've never seen this film. It's that screenplay is co-written by Ang Lee and James Seamus, which is interesting. Uh, and Raquel Welch, I think I believe is her last theatrical feature as well as a widow that's trying to woo Hector Elizondo. It's just funny because the all three of these beautiful women get courted by these men of varying ages the teenage girl I, I would love for you to watch tortilla, tortilla soup because that the teenage girl's hair is terrible I mean this is 2001 and the man this Brazilian student that's trying to date her is in my opinion none of these men look cute and I love Hector Elizondo but Raquel Welch chasing after Hector Elizondo I mean come on no no anyway you said it uh you watched Viva Las Vegas yeah, I was. I finished reading Priscilla Presley's um, memoir on the plane, and I saw Viva Las Vegas, which I've never seen was a, a, an available. So I thought it was fitting that I should watch that because in the memoir, Priscilla does mention being hurt by Elvis's uh, affair with Anne Margaret. Oh, I don't know that I care for Elvis as a screen presence with that jet black hair. I just oh. don't. I don't think he's for me. Um, I do like some of his songs, but I don't know. Uh, and I, it, it occurred to me watching this that Michael Madsen must be trying to mimic Elvis with that same kind of jet black hair that he's had for years and years and years. Anyway, but Anne Margaret's gorgeous. You know, I like her. And I know that we have a friend that's obsessed with her that showed us that clip of her dancing in this. And those are the best scenes was, is Anne, Anne Margaret dancing oh okay it, it's like um in my mind I would fantasize about dancing like that not unlike Liz Taylor and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf oh boy um well I watched Batman and Robin Blech. uh I that was not a good movie <laughs> I was surprised how much I didn't like it <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. The best part of it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is... Oh, go ahead. Uma Thurman is Poison Ivy, right? That's right. Um, which is a shame because I actually thought the story is really interesting because Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, he's a scientist who had an accident that caused him to be this mutated ice person. But his life's work now as this villain is trying to collect resources to create the science to save his wife, who he is like kept uh, like alive, like cryogenically or something. And then Uma Thurman's like a scientist who wants to preserve mother nature. So her plan is to get rid of all the humans to take back earth. I found it very interesting, but man, George Clooney as Batman. I like George Clooney, but it was really awkward. And when he wasn't speaking his nonverbal like acting, like them walk, like there are a lot of scenes where he's walking towards the camera or he's making these really odd faces Chris O'Donnell is like, it's weird. The two of them together, they don't seem like they have chemistry. And then he's, I don't understand. I don't think those characters were well-written, like mentor, student, and the student feeling like they want to step up and not be babysat. But instead, Chris O'Donnell seems kind of like a brat. And Isn't that in Alicia Silverstone's Batgirl? And I disliked her the most. I, I just did not like her. Oh, anytime it was like a close-up of her, like on the computer, her, she's like, you know, Alfred is dying. So she's trying, but she doesn't know that. So she's doing these motorcycle races to raise money to get him out of like Wayne Manor because she she doesn't understand his role with Bruce Wayne. So she thinks he's just a servant and she thinks it's like uh, demeaning. I thought that was so stupid. Like, this old man seems happy, and he told you he is, and he didn't ask you for shit. I don't know. Why are you doing these dangerous motorcycle races to raise money to get him out of there? Um, yeah, I didn't... Oh, the well, actually, the worst part of it probably is... And I don't know if this is just because I'm watching, like, a remastered version that's on a streaming platform, but the ADR was really odd. It sounded... Re- like, it was always, like, half a beat off um yeah no good that's the only one george clooney did no he did two he did oh. Batman. uh right i thought i remember it because batman forever is val kilmer well another thing i didn't like is the editing like they try to make like all these sexy like with the suit and we see like the butt and the nipples and the crotch and I don't understand why we were doing that. Will Schumacher <laughs> introduced the nipples, yeah. Uh, who was I there? don't have a problem with the nipples, but I, there were a lot of shots of like when they're getting dressed, like it zooms in to the butt, like like Girls Gone Wild style. I don't understand why we were doing that. Maybe Clooney only did one. I can't think of the title of... Maybe that is his only one, yeah. Because then after that, it would be Christopher Nolan... Well, uh, I can see why they probably were like, we're good. Because <laughs> it's also before he got his teeth done. So his smile's not what it is today. And I think because he's in a mask and that one long tooth is really like, it's hard not to focus on. Well, I mean, you know, you're on this big screen and you're wearing this mask and all we see is your mouth and your eyes and very interesting. Um, did not work for me. Okay, 
So now, oh, uh, there unfortunately is an entry in the obituary section. Uh, Jimmy Buffet died. Oh. Do you have uh, any connection to him? My mom had uh, some tapes. <laughs> My only uh, knowledge of him is uh, I'd seen him in concert, but he has Margaritaville, and there's a Margaritaville on the strip next to the hotel I used to work in. So I would always think of um, well, and then Sammy Hagar has. Uh, yeah, Sammy Hagar. So uh, I always think of those two, and they have like these themed restaurants. But yeah, he passed away a few days ago. How old was he? I didn't even. I've been completely out of the loop. Seventy. He was oh, seventy-six. I did hear someone died at Burning Man. Oh, that's why I was seeing those videos. I, I was wondering why people were talking about Burning Man. I didn't realize Burning Man was even happening right now. <laughs> Yeah, someone died. Oh, well, <laughs> sorry sorry to that person, I guess. That's the obituary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so getting to best of the fest so far at Venice. Yeah, yeah, I figured I'll just talk about worst at the end, so I'm not doubling down on my dislike. Okay, you have six films listed. Do you think these will be in your top? Uh, at least four of them. Okay, so they'll be a little double dipping when you make your recap. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, well, I'll, um, let, I'll let you talk however you want to organize it. Okay, so uh, I liked Maestro uh, with Bradley Cooper directing his sophomore film where he stars as Leonard Bernstein. Uh, with that fake nose? You know, it's not that distracting watching it. It's not like he has a small petite nose anyway. Um, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all settling into the film. Um, but, you know, Bernstein was gay slash maybe technically bisexual, but... Uh, and it it details, it's an intimate portrait of his life uh, with his wife, Felicia, played by Carrie Mulligan. And it's really more of a vehicle for Carrie Mulligan. And I think the second half of the film is actually quite good. However, if you don't know anything about Leonard Bernstein, I don't know that you are learning, in the periphery you hear about some of his accomplishments, you know, but uh, I, I could only keep thinking of Tar because last year Tar premiered. And if, if you remember Kate Blanchett's Lydia Tar, her mentor was Leonard Bernstein. And oh, yeah, I can't, I think I wrote about it in my review. It's like I want to, I would have loved to see her pop up this like brazen lesbian trying to get his attention, especially towards the end of his life, where he's really kind of only focusing on young, handsome men to mentor. Next. Uh, the Theory of Everything I liked, which is not the Stephen Hawking uh, biopic that Eddie Redmayne won his Oscar for. It's a German film directed by Tim Kroger that's in competition. It's set in 1962 in the Swiss Alps and is kind of a, a sci-fi 
love story about the multiverse, uh, but very much in the vein of a Fritz Lang, Alfred Hitchcock film from the late 30s or early 40s. So I really liked it. Next, Dogman. Okay, so I'm very much in the losing camp on Dogman. And I'm not going to defend it as an actual good film because there's a lot of it that's just not well done uh, or play or just really silly. But it's in competition with the new Luc Besson film. But I was very taken with the uh, Caleb Landry Jones performance as this white trash child that was horribly abused to the point where he became locked in a cage with a bunch of dogs and was injured, oh. was paraplegic, and then grows up into this drag queen mafiosa savior of the neighborhood it is so bizarre and uh i thought caleb landry jones was kind of magnificent certainly magnetic uh that sounds that sounds really good to me again like it's really rough around the edges in other regards but every time he's on screen it, it was making me think if this had been made in the 70s or 80s it felt like a Walter Hill script that got pushed away in a drawer somewhere and then somebody a decade later tried to dust off and make it not very well. Um, it has shades of Tim Burton. I could imagine Brando kind of like in his Island of Dr. Moreau phase or even Betty Davis towards the end of her life kind of doing giving the energy that he's giving. I, I really liked him. I would definitely watch that one. We saw him recently. Yeah, he was at the Grove. I forgot about that. Uh, next is the Kane Mutiny Court mar Martial. Okay, so, well, you know, William Friedkin just recently passed, as we've talked about many times recently. Um, and there's the, of course, Edward Dimitrik Kane Mutiny classic, uh, starring Humphrey Bogart, based on the Herman Woop novel. And then Robert Altman made the segment of the trial portion, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial in 87 or 88 is a TV film, which I also watched. But this was Friedkin's Last Stand. Um, and I thought it was superb. And I've seen two different versions of several, many different people playing these characters. And this was transportive in a different way than either of those previous two directors, I think, didn't carry it. It was very well done. Uh, Jason Patrick and uh, Lance Reddick, who's also sadly gone now, I think are pretty damn good in it. Next is Poor Things. Oh, Poor Things is, is like close to a perfect film. I, I cannot wait for you to see it. And, you know, I read this book recently. It's the latest from Yorgos Lanthimos starring Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo and Will. You, I know you are a fan of Willem Dafoe. You're going to love Willem Dafoe in this. Uh, I am a fan. <clears throat> it is so good. It's like a revisionist, feminist, Victorian era. It, it is a masterpiece. The one element that I, the, the one thing that sticks out as kind of a sore thumb is, and I and I'm a fan of his, but I didn't think Gerard Carmichael was very good. It's a small role, but... <laughs> Uh -oh. <laughs> but every the production design the soundtrack uh emma stone's performance even if you want to get kind of technical about her iffy british accent it was i thought it was fine uh I, I i think you're gonna really enjoy it i know you're not even that big of an emma stone fan but it is hell no i, I think you're gonna check it out you're gonna like it and then uh number one on your list so far 
Labette, which I just gave a very rare five-star review to that published today. Oh, aren't they lucky? Uh-huh. Well, it's the latest from Bertram, Bertram Bonello, who I'm a fan of anyway, uh, and Lea Seydoux, who you know I like and find like just captivating on screen. Uh, and George McKay is her co-star. It was a role that was meant for Gaspar Uliel, who died in that skiing accident right before it went into production. Where do uh, I know George McKay from? I think I talked about him a lot because I wanted you to watch Femme, Femme, which I saw out of Berlin. Oh. You've seen him. You, If you look at his face, you'll recognize him. Oh, but... the true history of the Kelly gang. You watched that? No, but I, I remember the image um, when you talked about it. I remember looking it up and I remember the picture. There's a picture of him in front of a flag. Yeah, the Dustin Kurzel film. Um, yeah, he's quite good in that too. Um, but this is very loosely based on a 1903 novella by Henry James, who's an author I also love. I actually read that at the beginning of this year because Patrick Chiha also made a version of this film this year uh, in, in a very different vein um, that I liked, but I loved Labette. Uh, it's set uh, in three different distinct periods, 1910, 2014, and 2044. And it's not to go on and on because I'm going to be talking about this film probably multiple times throughout the end of the year. Uh, well, it probably, I don't know that it'll get a theatrical release this year, but uh, kind of about, mm, there's a quote in the film about how passion is only possible when you're lacking fulfillment, like you, you aren't feeling passionate when you feel fulfilled and how this kind of notion of unrequited love, once you satisfy that, what happens? I'm going to read, I'm going to read a four line description of the movie in the near future where emotions have become a threat. Gabrielle finally decides to purify her DNA in a machine that will plunge her into her past lives and rid her of all strong feelings. She then meets Louis and feels a powerful connection as if she had always known him. The story unfolds over three distinct periods, 1910, 2014, 2044. Um, so, you would, so it's a science fiction drama. Kind of. It also feels very much like um, if you collapse several different Stanley Kubrick films, like, like Barry Lyndon with The Shining, with maybe what he would have done with AI. <laughs> it's... Yeah, in in the final shot, the final moment. Oh my God! I, it's and it's long. It's I it's, see that. Yeah, yes, two hours for uh, fifteen minutes. Oh, it's so good. It's I, I won't. I won't have you spoil it. Uh, on 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 this video, but I'm curious to know if she did know him. <laughs> um. Well, you know how I feel about uh, Les Cedu and who. Uh, Bruno Dumas, France. I had the, I had a similar feeling at the end of France. Um, yeah, it's well. Maybe they'll pull. Maybe they'll put your pull quote on the cover of this Blu-ray. Well, it's clear if I if it's something that I love this much, it it usually means that a lot of people will also hate it as equally. So I haven't read like as soon as I because this I had two back-to-back -back screenings this morning. It was The Killer, the David Fincher, and this which is like damn near five hours of film. I ran off to a quiet place to write and not talk to anybody because I didn't want anybody else's opinion to 
mar what I was thinking. And I, I wrote a very long piece about it, actually. Mm. But uh, yeah. What? So there you have it. Best of the fest. What's the one movie everyone was looking? Oh, there's an Isabel movie. Oh, yeah. Sidonie in Japan. I didn't love it, but oh. she looks good. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for later. What's the? Isn't there a big movie everyone was looking forward to? There, there's one that I feel like people were talking about. The Fincher? I don't know. I thought there was like a mainstream big movie that was there that people were excited about. Well, maybe it's Scor- that Scorsese movie at Venice. That was Can. That was oh. Can. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, was, you know, the new Polanski was here, which I saw, which I didn't love. Okay. Uh, and tomorrow, tomorrow morning's new Woody Allen. Uh, but I'll get, I'll give a more complete rundown. Yes, you will. Uh, well, I know it's like one a.m. now. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people? No, I, I'm really looking forward to shower and a, and a, a, a sleep, a sleep, a sleeper, a crema sleeper. <laughs> okay, we'll let you do that. Uh, oh, yep, get more wine. Ta-ta for now. <laughs>